Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Anthem this morning, great to see everybody. If you're a guest here or you're here for the first time, my name's Colin, I'm one of the leaders here and it's great to have you with us. Um, I can't wait for next Sunday and I mean the next two weeks are just like I'm stoked for. I know, um, you know, I probably get more excited about what happens on Sunday than most, but uh, for, this is a, a great opportunity for us to connect with our community next weekend um, in a way that is unique to any time of the year other than Easter and even, even more than Easter in some ways for people who perhaps don't uh, make a regular habit of being part of a church. This is an opportunity. And then the following week is an opportunity for you to be in your pajamas when you would normally be at church. So that's great. No screenshots, please. Um, but uh, we'll, be, we'll be doing church in your PJs uh, next, uh, the, the, the week after that. So I'm excited for that too. Um, we've been in this three-week series, which I know has been a stretch for some of us. Uh, a stretch for our uh, thoughts of like, is, you know, what is God telling me here about giving, about generosity? And we've been talking about the ladder. And um, uh, just to sort of quickly recap, you know, in, in week one, uh, we, we talked about uh, some verses from First um, Timothy 6, 17, where it says in week one, it says, command those who are rich in this world not to put their faith and their hope in their resources, but and it goes on, but to be generous and to learn generosity. And, um, and, and it goes on to say that basically through our generosity, we will learn what it is to know and understand the life that is truly life. And when you read in the scripture something that says, like, if, if you do this, you will, you will learn and understand the life that is truly life. You know that, I mean, that's something worth grabbing hold of, right? That's, that's worth something checking into and looking into. Initial, becoming an initial giver was the idea of what would it be like to put God first, to make a decision to every week when we get, every week or month when we get paid, to think about our commitment to God first. And then in week two, we, we carried on uh, talking about proportional giving. This ceiling is going to be too low, isn't it? Um, uh, proportional giving, uh, or maybe it's for my own safety, which could be good too. Proportional giving, the idea of giving a proportion or percentage of our income, percentage giving. Is that what it says? Proportional. Um, uh, working towards a tithe. Uh, throughout the scriptures, uh, uh, God's word says that if we, are not, if we are not giving a tenth to God, we are robbing God. Those can be tough words for some, but... It, these, aren't, these aren't my words. This is God's word. And this is words that we should listen to if we if what people that say we want to follow Christ and we want to obey his word. We've got to look at not only uh, what is my life like as far as, you know, my reading the Bible and my, my, my quiet time, my devotional time, whether I stop swearing at work and this kind of stuff. But are we the kind of people that were prepared to put our money where our mouth is, prepared to put our, our money where our faith is? And actually say, yes, I'll allow this teaching to kind of permeate my mind and my heart as I believe it's God's word and it will bring freedom for me and create the kind of life that is truly life. And so, so then this is where things get a little tougher for me even to stand up. This whole element of sacrificial giving, and if there's any medical people in the house today, uh, maybe you should be ready with, um, I don't know, whatever you might need to be ready with, uh, a Burlington, a Burlington pastor lost two limbs today, falling off, a, you know, anyway. Um, so this is the place, sacrificial giving, where we begin to realize more and more in our lives that everything that we have is God's. Just a few days ago, I was hanging out with uh, a friend, somebody from Anthem, and 
they were, they were talking to me about their, their giving, uh, their regular giving. And they, they brought this subject up, and, and we talked about it. And I just said, you know, I know it's, this isn't going to me, but thanks for your commitment to God through Anthem. And, and, and right off the, the top of their, you know, the, their lips came this statement, well, it's not mine anyway. And it, it, was, a, it was a reaction to, to me thanking them, them saying, it's not mine anyway, this is God's. Uh, that statement right there, like gave me a window into that person's heart like I didn't know it was there already because they'd made it clear that what I have, my resources, my stuff, my money isn't mine. It belongs to the Lord. I have never had this many people taking photos of me in a message before. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Um, uh, just tag me if you want to and tag Anthem Church. We'll, we'll take all the press we can get. Um, but it's this area, you know, the air's kind of thin up here. This area of sacrificial giving, this area of legacy giving, where we know that the, the one thing that I want to do is recognize I can't take, anything of this, take any of this with me. I want to make an impact for the kingdom of God that is going to go beyond my years. And you know, when, when you are in that situation, and you and I have all been in that place where we've either bought, maybe you've bought a car or you've bought some stuff or something that you're going to have to make payments on. Or maybe you're sitting at the closing table of your house and you looked over at your spouse as you're about to sign on this, you know, well, sign like 400 different times. You, you kind of had that thinking, or maybe you're going to send someone off to college. You kind of have that thinking, well, we can do this, but some things are going to have to change. Some of us have bought cars before, and, and when you've done it, you've thought, well, I'll do this, but some things are going to have to change. And you recognize that in order for you to make this purchase that you're making, it's going to impact everything else. So you reorder your finances to take into account the big thing that you're doing. Sacrificial giving is reordering our lives and putting, God's, putting God first. So let's take a look at what sacrificial giving might look like today. We're going to read um, from 2 Corinthians 8. And 2 Corinthians is uh, the second of two letters that Paul wrote to a church in Corinth, which is in, which is in Greece today, um, or an ancient city that was in Greece. Uh, boy, I'm getting all kinds of stubble today. So maybe I didn't shave. Lost something. Lost something. But... Um, a letter that he wrote to a church in Corinth, and he's talking in this chapter about another church that has been a huge and enormous blessing to the Corinthian church, to the, to the Christians in the city of Corinth. Okay, so here's what goes on here. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God has given to the Macedonian churches. Now, when you read that word grace, the, the, the grace that's been given to the Macedonian churches, this is kind of talking about, uh, this word grace is talking about something that is a sort of a, a, a gift that they've been given that they're able to pass on uh, without any uh, need for any, any uh, reply or any return or anything like that. So we've heard about a lot about the phrase quid pro quo in the news recently. Like, think the opposite of quid pro quo. Think the opposite of something where someone does something in return for something else. This word grace is translated from a word which has that, that kind of meaning to, um, to be able to uh, receive something from God, pass it on, and then uh, not need anything in reply. How smooth was that? Oh, it's not on yet. Uh, oh, it's not. How about that? Yeah. Now we're good. Thank you. Let's hear it for Mikey, everybody. Um, but uh, now I really feel like a preacher. Okay, but 
This talks about grace as being a gift that they get to pass on. Now, let's go to the next verse. Now, this is where this Macedonian church, this is ridiculous faith. Remember we talked about ridiculous faith for a few weeks? Not ridiculous in the ridiculous sense of of the word, but ridiculous in that you know, amazingly good, ridiculous sense of the word. These people are nuts. Okay, so read this. In the midst of a very sensitive trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. If that isn't the oddest verse in the entire Bible, I don't know what is, all right? Because if you were to compare that to our life, when have you been in severe trial with overflowing joy, extreme poverty, welling up in rich generosity. Doesn't really seem right, does it? There's something, something odd about that. that. These people are in, let's go back to that one, Raven. Uh, these people are in severe trial, and yet they have overwhelming joy. They're living with extreme poverty, and yet the result has welled up in not just generosity, but rich generosity. It's not quite right. There's something odd about this. Let's carry on reading verse 3 and 4. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And it it just continues, doesn't it? Now, I don't know if these people have got, it's like they've got a few screws loose or something. Like, you know, they're not playing with a full deck. The elevator doesn't go to the top floor. You know, the the, the wheel's spinning, but the hamster's died. You know, one of those things to communicate somehow that these people are not all there because they're, they're giving with ridiculous generosity in a time when they're in abject poverty and they shouldn't be so generous. That is powerful. These people gave beyond their ability. And it's unusual. It doesn't doesn't seem something that is just normal. It seems that God had a plan to bring this church to a place of generosity that naturally didn't make sense given the condition that they were in. So I want to ask you today, has there ever been a time in your life when you were willing to give to God no matter the cost? There ever been a time like that? Jesus encountered uh, a young man who, in the Bible, we're talked. He's described in kind of the header notes as being the rich young ruler. You know, so this 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 kid was was well off. He was young, and he had some some power in the community as well. I mean, if there's, if there's three things that we that we wish we could all have, it's it's, it's riches. Uh, you know time on our side, and, and power, right? Everybody longs for those three things. So when this cat comes to Jesus and he says, okay, you know, how can I inherit? Uh, well, let's read it. We're going to read it from Luke 18. It says this, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one's good except God alone. Jesus is kind of basically saying, he's not saying, why do you call me good? Like, hey, I'm not good. He's not giving false humility or anything like this. He's making the point that if you're calling me good, you must be referring to me as, as God, as deity. He's basically saying, so when you call me good teacher, if no one is good except God alone, you're implying that I'm God. 
and then we can carry on this conversation. We can see where it goes. So he says, uh, Jesus says this, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said arrogantly. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. You get this young man who's, who's desperately trying to, to fulfill all the rules. But, but Jesus is, it's clear that Jesus is, uh, is, 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 is wanting something more. He's wanting something more that this man hasn't ever experienced giving or, or thought about giving. And it's not that he wants something from this young man. It's that he wants something for this young, young man. You know, we've said when we talked about giving that God doesn't want something from us. He doesn't need anything. He wants something for us. He wants a new way of life for us. And it said there, why, that, you know, when he heard about this, this uh, ideal that Jesus would say to this man, you've got to sell all your stuff because that's getting in the way of our relationship. He, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus' challenge to the rich is always extraordinarily high because he knows that our biggest problem is our, is our money and our stuff. And the more we get, the, harder, the more we accumulate, the harder it gets to serve God faithfully. Let's be a people that begin to realign our lives today because it will never get any easier. I mean, I can't go from, from, from this step to that step, not in these jeans but, or in any pants, really. Do you know what I mean? You just, you, it's just impossible to, 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 to get to that level overnight. But to experience the life that is truly life, that's what God calls us to. And that's why Jesus talked about money. Get this. Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell put together. What? Doesn't that sound insane? That Jesus talked about money more than those things, which in our minds we think those are monumentally important, and they are. But Jesus knew that people in, the, in his day and now were were just living with in that situation where money had a had a hold on them. Our, our, our money and our wealth isn't just a thermometer to to show where we're at in terms of of serving and honoring God. It is a thermostat that we get to set. We get to decide where it starts and where it finishes. We get to to decide where our faithfulness to God begins and where we say this far and no further, or whether we say, God, everything I have is yours. Do we live with a posture of generosity? God lets us know through his word over and over again that it is safe to trust him with our resources. It is a safe investment to trust God with all that he has invested in us. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, this uh, conversation continues uh, about, about our giving. And if you want to take an honest look at, um, at giving, look at these verses and in, in, in maybe read those two chapters today, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And take a look at that. It says this in, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. 
So, you know, it all, over and over again, the New Testament puts stuff in an in a agricultural kind of terms, doesn't it? Because that's the community that we're talking to. Whoever, if you sow generously, when harvest time comes, you'll reap generously. Each of you should give, and this is important, each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's a decision there's that thoughtfulness, and then there's that joyful giving. In the Old Testament, in the, in the, sorry, the, be, uh, the beginning of the, the church in the, in the book of Acts, we see the, the, the people offering their, their gifts at the feet of the apostles. It was a public, joyful display. There shouldn't be any coercion. There shouldn't be any manipulation or you know, re- resulting in reluctant giving. Um, it, it's like sowing seed. If you sow seed a lot, you will reap a lot. If you sow seeds sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Just this last week, I was sort of looking through our kind of books. Uh, there's no books. It's all online. But uh, for Anthem, for our finances over this past year. And there was a couple of people who'd given, but I didn't even know who they were. And they just stood out to me. And I, I, I always use this as an opportunity to, to say thanks and to see if there's a, a, a way to connect with these individuals and, and, and say, we'd love to see you again, or, you know, thanks for, your, for, for taking part. And this first person was somebody who doesn't even live in the state. They, 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 live, in, they live in Alabama. And, uh, and they made a, a gift, two, three hundred dollars in, in um, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, can't remember when. And so I dropped him a text and just said, hey, uh, this might seem a kind of ambiguous text again. This is Colin, but I'm from Anthem Church in Boston, and I noticed you made a, uh, a donation a few months back, and I just wanted to say thanks. Um, love to see you if you're in the area. And um, the response came from, I think, the person's wife, who I got the phone number wrong or something, but it said, oh, wow, you're so welcome. We were glad to have been able to attend your church when we were up there in Boston for a wedding. It was a blessing to us, so thank you, guys. I'm like... It, there was almost a mo- there actually was a moment of repentance in my heart because I don't ever remember one time in my life visiting a church once out of state, whether I thought it was great or not great, and writing a $300 check. In our lives, as far as I remember, that has never happened. And here was somebody who just thought, you guys are a blessing to us. Why wouldn't we bless you and serve, serve what God is doing at your church? And this, this was a young couple in their 20s, and I was just blown away. So I, after this happened, I thought, I'm going I'm to do this again. So uh, I looked down the list one more time, and there was another, another gift. And this was, you know, $50, $100, something like that from somebody, again, I'd never, never met in my life. And I don't think he lives around here. And sent the same text. How are you doing? How come you ended up giving to Anthem? Thanks for playing a part in this. Um, Hi, Colin. He said, I honestly cannot recall how or why I gave. I just try to be faithful with opportunities the Lord brings to sow into what he is doing in the world. Who is this cat? This is awesome. Thanks for reaching out and thanks for the blessing. 
and I and I kind of dug into this a little bit more because I'm like, okay, we need to clone this guy. But like, you know, it's like I'm like, I at least want to get to know you. So I said, did I meet you back in Detroit or something? Or um, you know, mentioned a couple of churches that I might have visited that I might have seen him at. And his response back again was, yeah, I'm not sure where I heard about Anthem, but God brings stuff across my grid, and I just try to jump in according to His leading and have seen wild blessing as a result. Come on, like how cool is that? Like, we just need to pray for a whole bunch of strangers to stumble upon our website from around the globe, right? But we read on in, in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 9. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Using this metaphor again. Um, you know, who, the one who supplies seed for the sower and uh, bread for food, who's that? God, right, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. There's going to be this spiritual, like the harvest of righteousness, this spiritual growth that takes place. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Sorry, microphone, but like through the generosity of God's people. There is more and more thanksgiving that goes on as a result of us stepping into faith, into the faith that, that generosity is in our lives. This is, I'm not making this up, right? I'm, I'm, I'm preaching here. This is the Bible, right? This is God's Word. You can look it up. It's, it, it's in every Bible. There's something very, very specific about if you give, you will receive. And I know we don't, we get, we get nervous, like, is this some kind of like get rich quick thing or something like that? It's not, but it's like God promise us, promises us throughout the New Testament, if we give, we will receive. Press down, running over the full measure, run, like, like more than you could imagine. So today, I want to offer us a little bit of a challenge. It's kind of a twofold challenge. And you're getting off easy today because I'm not preaching for much longer than this. This is we're nearly there. Can you imagine that? This is it. They're like, what? He's been going for 21 minutes and he's done. This is a miracle right here. Um, but I want to offer us a challenge that directly relates to our giving to the Lord. And part of it is kind of an anthem thing, and part of it is a thing I believe between you and God. Uh, some of you, some of you may participate in in, in year end giving, and because you like to take the benefit of the the sort of the, the you know, making sure you've, you've done all the donations you want to do before the end of the year to get uh, tax breaks on it and that kind of stuff for this tax year. Uh, and you may have noticed that you kind of get a lot of requests from organizations at this time of year to give, to donate, to be part of what goes on in their organizations. That's because they know the, the, the value of year-end giving. And so um, in, in line with that, a couple, of our, a couple of the people who helped start Anthem financially and were donors at the very beginning have offered to us for, this, for the remaining of the month of December a $10,000 matching fund that whatever is raised from us as a church will be matched dollar to do- dollar for dollar up to $10,000. Like, how good is that, right? All of a sudden, on a very practical level, and I want to say as well, by the way, that on January 26th, 
I hope that as many of us can be here for the fourth Sunday of January because I want to kind of share in, in a little bit of detail, but not enough to put you to sleep, you know, like where the church is at financially, what our vision is for the next year, what some of our challenges, some of our needs, and some of our goals are going to be as well over this coming year. That's January 26th on a Sunday right here. Um, I want to bring that up because it's an opportunity very practically for you to sow into what God is doing here at Anthem and to know that there is a, almost a, there is essentially a doubling going on. Anything that, that is given through the generosity box or through regular giving online will be matched up to $10,000. Isn't that awesome? Um, and, uh, and then moving into the next year, moving into January, from January, I want to set a, a separate challenge for all of us who feel willing and able to take this on as 2020 begins. You know, part of the, part of the, the reason for the ladder is to recognize that we have to take steps. You know, lip service and action are very different, aren't they? <laughs> Ever experienced that? I was, I was selling something on Facebook Marketplace yesterday, and uh, it was a fridge, a little fridge I got, wanted to get rid of, just didn't need it in the house. So put it on Facebook Marketplace. I had over a hundred people reply and say, is it still available? Is it still available? Is it still available? Is it still? And I'm like, yes. When do you want to come pick it up? Yes. Would you like to come get it? Yes. Do you want to come and get it? And all these people are like, ah, oh, I can't come till Wednesday. Or like, oh, I'm in Brighton. Do you deliver? I'm like, it's a $40 fridge. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not delivering for a $40 fridge or for anything really. But, but you know, there's a, there's a big space between lip service, between saying, yeah, I'm all in and taking action and being all in. And this is for those of you who might want to say, I'm all in. Because God says in his word, in Malachi 3.10, he says, test me in this. Test me in your generosity and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of blessing so that you will not have room enough to contain it. Because God says that, I want to say this to, to, to all of us. I want to issue this, a 90-day tithing challenge. Or even if you were to call it a 90-day proportional percentage giving challenge, where you would say, for this 90 days, I will commit to giving a percentage of my income to the Lord. And I want to see what God does. I want to watch God's hand at work. So, so, so choose, here's, here's, how we're gonna, here's how this is going to work. Choose a percentage. Working, I believe, towards a tithe. Working, I believe, towards 10% of our giving, because that, I believe, is, is, is where God wants us to at least live to start with. Working towards that. Choose a percentage. Commit to, to regular giving, either through a check or through online giving. Um, and then there's, a, there's a, a Connect card in your in your, uh, well, you got a connect card today as normal. Today is an extra box on there. There's a, che- a checkbox on there that says, I want to participate in the 90-day the, the tithe challenge. I want to participate in the 90-day tithe challenge. And if you're somebody that's, that hasn't been involved in giving to God, or if you're somebody that has, but you recognize, well, I still believe God is calling us to step up, then I want you to check that box. And no one will see those except for me. And if you miss so much as one week, I will be at your house. No, I'm not going to. I don't know how much is your commitment. There's nothing on there to say what you're signing up for. We're not asking for that. But I want to challenge you to put God first in your finances in a fresh way from the beginning of 2020. 
And here's, and, and like from our side, and band, you can go ahead and come up now and start to get ready for, uh, for our closing song. But from, from our side, here's what I'm going to do. I want to be praying for those of you who commit to this regularly. Again, I'm not checking up on anything, but I want to pray for you. I want to send you a weekly email every Friday. I want to send an email for those 13 weeks with thoughts and ideas. It doesn't matter. Uh, thoughts and uh, ideas and challenges on how to make this experience more meaningful. And there's a, there's a final piece to it as well. We, I don't want to ask for a drum roll because you never know what quite might what happen. But if you could think drum roll in the back of your mind, there's a final piece to this as well. And that is, get this, if you feel after three months that God has not been working in your heart in a new way in relation to your giving through this exercise, we will refund all your money. Now, that might seem gimmicky, but it's a good gimmick, right? I mean, as gimmicks go, that's not bad. That's because God says, test me in this. Let's put God to the test in our faithfulness. And then I want to be willing as the leader of this church to say, well, we will, we will put you know, our money where the mouth is as well. We'll say anything that comes in from the 1st of January, because we can't do it on this side because we'd be giving donation statements at the end of the year and those IRS things and stuff like that. Anything that comes in from January 1st through that first three-month period as part of a 90-day tithe challenge where you say, I am going to, I'm going to automate my giving online or I'm going to use checks. You can't put cash in the back and ask me to refund it in three months. That ain't happening. You're, oh, I put a thousand in every week. Yeah, right. That wouldn't work. But like if you automate it or if you do it with a check, make, make, remember we talked about trackable giving. I want to say that we will find some way to get that back to you if you sense, nope, never going to do that again. Big mistake. You know, or you, what I believe will happen is that you will recognize God has met me. God has dealt with my heart. God has reminded me of the resources that he's given me. I belong to him. God has helped me with budgeting. God has met us in miraculous ways that we didn't expect. God has just been involved every step of the way. And because I believe that that is how God is going to work, that's why we want to make that That's why we want to make that promise. And I want to be the person that encourages you through that journey and becomes a part of your giving story. And as we we kind of uh, close my talk this morning, let me clearly say, as clear as I can, to those of you who are who are already living in that space, or already climbing this ladder. And I know some of you, even since in these last two or three weeks, have been making a choice to increase giving or to take a first step into the world of giving. I want to honor your commitment before God. I want to honor what I believe God is doing through you and going to use you to do through that. And remember, we are here to do nothing else than to awaken everyone around us to the life God has for us. And if that means reaching out as a church to people in need, if that means setting up programs, if that means having our kids program uh, stacked with with uh, uh, workers this morning so that you can leave your kids in there so that you can be in here to hear God's word. If that means putting on these services, if that means meeting people who have specific needs of benevolence in their lives, we want to keep doing that. And we want to keep doing that as God builds up a wealth of generosity from within this community so we can serve this community until Jesus comes. Let's pray together.
Lord, we believe this morning that you are as interested in how we handle our money and our finances as you are in so many areas of our lives that we had perhaps put ahead of that. God, I pray as some are even, and I've seen just like looking at this room, some are even holding that card right now, considering to take on a challenge which is perhaps over and beyond what they're doing right now and in the past what they thought was kind of what they could do. Father, I pray you will honor those commitments. Honor those decisions to serve you in a fresh way. And help us to have open eyes and to see the the work that you are doing that we couldn't even see. Help us to see the work that is taking place as a result of our generosity, Lord. I've got to pray that most of all, you will make our hearts belong to you. You can put that card in the generosity box at the back of the room when we're done this morning. But forget all that for a moment or two and let's, let's just lift up a closing song of worship to our God today.